of the Morally Corrupted's Forwards Backwards podcast, not from the corner of Glenway and Monroe, and not from the Gimme Some Truth Studios. This week, Keith discusses the ancient Spanish philosophy of turgidismo, Dan is AWOL, and Kyle Carr doesn't return, but Kyle Barr does to talk about Juneteenth. I'm Keith Ponewas, and as always, I'm joined by the Fred to my Daphne, Kyle Carr, the hardest working man in Wisconsin sports uh, podcasting. Kyle, do you ever lie awake at night gripped by the existential dread that the Milwaukee Bucks are the NBA's Everton? Why would you do this to me right from the (laughs) (laughs) get-go? Yeah, I mean, I would figure that maybe Aston Villa. um, Yeah, maybe Aston Villa, because like there was a time when the Bucks were really good. It's just been now 30 years since they've been consistently as good and they have nothing to show for it. So at least Everton won titles, give or take. I would say Aston Villa is probably a more succinct um, comparison, which hurts me even more, which is also ironic because one of the owners of the Milwaukee Bucks also has a stake in ownership in Aston Villa. Uh, I bring this up because, uh, you know, last last night I received texts from other Bucks supporting friends and they all went, I know I'm only setting myself up for heartbreak, but I'm feeling really good about this series right now. Yeah, if you had asked me a week ago if I felt good about this series, I would have said absolutely not, especially considering how bad they looked last Monday in Game 2. And then they didn't look that great in Game 3, but still won. And But Game 4 was great. So now I'm like, yep, I'm back in. This is a toxic relationship. <laughs> it's really easy how, how you get fooled. So uh, one of the things mentioned in the Open, and uh, it sounds like uh, everything is is now being lined up and, and quite a bit going on for – uh, the club is going to do, along with uh, Featherstone Flamingos, uh, a Juneteenth sub- celebration around our next uh, match with New England Revolution, who we play three times in our next four games, by the way. So, uh, you know, I think it's it's good that we're, uh, you know, doing something a little different next week. So uh, can you uh, enlighten folks uh, what's going on there, what they can look forward to and uh, what else is is going on? Yeah, so Juneteenth is the celebration that takes place on June 19th, which commemorates the emancipation of enslaved uh, African-Americans in the United States. So to celebrate that, uh, us at Featherstone worked with the club and we're going to do a couple of things. So one of them is going to be having uh, Pernicia Clifton, who is going to sing the Star Spangled Banner and lift every voice and sing, which has also been known as the Black National Anthem. So that's going to happen at the beginning of the match on Saturday. We're going to have the Black Star Drumline, uh, which gives local youth a chance to you know, play progressive instruments throughout. So that'll be during the pregames and also at halftime. We'll also have a poetry performance from a local poet, Matthew Charles. Um, so he'll be reading some poetry during halftime. We also worked Okay, sorry. We're also working on a video uh, talking about Juneteenth and the importance of that. So that should be, you know, shown either at halftime or it'll definitely be on social media as come Saturday. And then thanks to Chris Fox, we also have a limited edition scarf uh, that he worked on. It's going to be a limited run. Um, and all the proceeds for that are going to go to the YWCA. So that's just a couple of things that the club is doing um, for Juneteenth. It was something that we were thinking of what we wanted to do last year, um, but we didn't get the chance to do that. And obviously in 2020, the season didn't start until after. Um, so it was nice to actually do something this year to try 
and just celebrate as much black culture as possible. So that's what's going on on Saturday. So if you have a chance to be there, please be there, show your support. And I think the scars should be going on sale sometime this week. So make sure to buy that shit. Uh, the, the black star drumline, uh, should pretty, should be pretty cool. And I did uh, see, I hope I'm not revealing anything, uh, uh, secret here, uh, that, uh, they are also hoping to uh, participate in some of the uh, drumming that goes on during the, the course of the match as well. Um, so it's in the works. I don't know if it's finalized. The funny thing about being pretty much out uh, the last month, basically, is I don't know a lot of what's going on. So I think it's in the works. I don't know if anything's been set and decided yet. And uh, as well, uh, just for people who are curious, you know, Black Star Drumline has performed at events like uh, Summerfest, they've won uh, awards uh, as well. So pretty cool uh, group to have here in Madison and pretty cool to have uh, participating in, in part of that Juneteenth celebration as well. So, And I think they're uh, going to be back at Summerfest this year when it's yeah. in later this month. Well, not later this month, later in September. Yep. Uh, and yeah, this year's Summerfest is not technically in the summer or maybe technically in the summer it's in september i think it's like that labor day weekend like end of summer so i think it's still technically end of summer because it's before school starts as well (laughs) so close enough yeah right on the right on the border um and then you know lots of other interesting stuff uh going on uh black star of course uh being uh reference to marcus garvey uh, who invented the black star line uh, which was uh, a chant was organized as a chance to well I'm now I'm going into my uh, you know literature degree for for more depth uh, but uh, check it out very cool group and uh, very cool history around Marcus Garvey and the Black Star Line as well uh, one of my friends in graduate school had an awesome poster that he found in a Harlem flea market uh, he wrote on uh, 1950s African American authors and lived in Harlem and found a Black Star Line like original poster in a flea market in Harlem. It was pretty, pretty, pretty cool looking. Uh, Neither here nor there. Uh, So (laughs) uh, as you can probably tell by, uh, you know, me uh, going off on tangents about Marcus Garvey, the Black Star Line, Summerfest, and uh, the Milwaukee Bucks, there wasn't a lot to report from our match on Saturday evening. Uh, Kyle and I both watched from the comforts of our couch. I didn't make it out to the stadium. just a long day in the, in the sun for me and didn't want to add another two hours. And I I would say um, our three key points, one of them was point zero. What didn't happen? Yeah. I would say a whole lot of soccer didn't happen in that match on, on uh, Saturday evening. And I think you might, you know, point to the rather oppressive heat on Saturday evening. I would say it was, I mean, I went to the, Mediterranean Marauders tailgate uh, ahead of time. So I went, stopped by there, had a good time, got to see people, but it was definitely hot. And I got home and I was exhausted. I almost contemplated, do I want to watch this match live and be on the watch party or do I just want to take a nap beforehand? It was hot. And I mean, it was considering it was not as bad as it was two days prior, kind of says something, but I think the heat definitely played a part in the lack of cohesion and clear-cut chances that Ford Madison had. There wasn't really, near the end of the match, you started seeing it more and more, but definitely that first half, there was nothing there offensively. And part of that is Richmond, you know, they want to make sure that they can defend well and get you on the counterattack, but 
it definitely felt as though Gebhardt was trying and trying and trying, but he couldn't really create too, too much. It felt like Tyler Allen was trying and trying and trying, but he couldn't get much going. It felt like Jake Keegan was kind of isolated. Didn't, I don't really remember hearing his name being called at all in the first no, there half. There was, uh, you know, kind of at the edge of the box um, about the 70th minute because Gebhardt picked up uh, a yellow card at that point, one of uh, seven issued in the match. Quite a few, uh, pardon actually one of eight issued in the match, um, picked up, Gebhardt picked up a yellow card when when Keegan kind of made her a little run into the area and got kind of clipped. Uh, could have been a foul, could maybe not a foul, um, but yeah, otherwise pretty quiet from him. I thought Ter- Terzaghi as well from, from Richmond was fairly quiet. Um, you know, just not, not a lot that went on. In fact, uh, if you look at, you know, kind of the overall nature of the, the stats, um, there were only three corners for each team, nine shots for, for forward, seven for, for Richmond, and, and four of them on target, but I don't ever remember Chris Brady being challenged. Forward only had one shot on target. Um, it just seemed like it was hot. It was a draining game. You know, for forward, sitting against uh, Richmond, you know, in that deep lying position, you just weren't going to get a lot of soccer out of it, it didn't seem. Um, yeah. I mean, Chris Brady did have that one save early. It felt like the first 10 minutes, that's when maybe if Richmond was going to score, that would have been their chance. The two early chances, one that got cleared off the line, the other Brady saved after that. Yeah, Richmond didn't really have anything. I know Terzaghi had a late run, but I think Pato was able to close down on him. So, yeah. No, and, and that's also our, our newest uh, co-host there, Desmond, you may hear in the background. Uh, congratulations, Kyle. We didn't, we, this is the first we've seen you since the arrival of Desmond, so congratulations. Thank you. It's been good. It's been an interesting couple of weeks. Um, I feel like paternity leave was kind of nice where I just laid on the couch and watched TV and held him, and now that I went back to work today, I was like, you know, I kind of wish I could just go back to laying on the couch. That was much nicer. <laughs> <laughs> Made it easier to, to watch the, the European Championships as well. It was nice just sitting at my desk and having one screen watch, to watch the European Championships and the other one having my work laptop. I will say there was I didn't have to fight for the TV. A <laughs> little easier access then. Um, you know, otherwise, in, in terms of, you know, what we saw, um, Madison had the bulk of the position, possession. Um, one of the interesting things, actually, you know, is a nil-nil draw. Uh, also, and, and we're going to get to this, uh, but uh, no, no draw. And actually, in terms of goals scored per 90 minutes, these are two of the leading scoring teams in USL League One, um, which was sort of surprising. Um, and really, as the announcer or commentator on the match said, the only way you can really right now do statistics for uh, the league right now is based on per 90 minutes, uh, because, you know, some teams have played 37 games. Forward Madison has played kind of in the middle with seven. Um, you know, I think Toronto FC have played like two matches. So, you know, people are all over the place. It's hard to get a grasp for the standings. So working off of per 90 minutes is kind of the, the easiest way to, to follow that. Yeah, it definitely, I feel like the one thing that Richmond does really well would have been getting goals off a set piece. That's where they were thriving. That's where they've kind of gotten the majority of their goals from. So the fact that Ford Madison limited those opportunities was good for them but I, I think if it was 10 degrees cooler it probably would have been a little bit more of tacking I think at one point Richmond I think also at one point Richmond just decided we're just going to bunker down and walk away at the draw like yeah. it, they were content with getting a draw walking out of there and that's when he started seeing four maps and started creating a little bit more having even though they had most of the possession 
it felt like late in the second half, that's when it was more purposeful possession. Yeah. And they got some fresh legs in in at the end of the match as well with Bang arriving and, and, um, you know, Fusan and Carlos Gomez coming on. And I think that helped a little bit, but overall you got the sense that it was definitely a, a slow moving turgid match. Uh, the zero zero draw did mark Chris Brady's fourth career shutout. Um, and Chris Brady is back. And uh, I was thinking about this in the context of this podcast uh, because last week, uh, Dan mightily declared that Phil Brino had definitely earned you know, the, the gloves that they were going to have to take the gloves off of him. And then Chris Brady arrives and immediately starts uh, in the, the very next match. And that's, uh, I think, just a further reminder not to take anything that we say on this podcast seriously. Uh, in fact, ignore everything that we say on this podcast would be my suggestion. I mean, I was also supposedly out on loan. Um, I would say I was more training with the reserves, you know, kind of exiled for the time being. I made it back. We were able to get the contract. I have at least a contract to the end of the year. Still not getting paid, but we'll work on that. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You know, uh, look, look, you know, Dan is responsible for the sponsors and he has not done a great job of getting us sponsors. Uh, You know, I'm just saying that I don't think he's working on sponsorship right now. So um, really just just kind of disappointing. I mean, I'm also, I think one of my demands was I had to bring my son on the podcast. And despite his uh, rather noisy awakeness, I think, I think that's a fair deal. Well, you know, we're not, we don't pay you a lot, but we are a family friendly podcast. I think that's really one of the few things it's a family friendly, you know, there were no objections to your parental leave. Um, You know, you, you could have extended it, you know, anything that you wanted. We're, we're very friendly. Um, You know, Dan and I are both available for babysitting but I don't think anybody in their right mind would want to entrust their children with either one of us. Um, so, you know, we, we do also offer that. Um, but I, I would I say it's a lot easier watching this one than the older one. I think the older one would give you fits. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Desmond seems very mild mannered and, and very laid back right now. So um, of course, Desmond is now what uh, three weeks old. So doesn't yeah, we're entering week than, four of life. <laughs> so yeah. he has three weeks. Yeah, doesn't do a lot more than, you know, suck on the pacifier and, and chill, it sounds like. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, Chris Brady returns. Chris Brady was, uh, I think a lot of us were hoping we would get him earlier in the season. As Dan was alluding to, you know, it seemed like Phil Brino had had kind of made his, his uh, staked out his claim. He looked very good. I thought Chris Brady looked very good. He's only suffered one loss in his league one career, Chris Brady, um, and was definitely last year a rising, rising star. And I think, you know, there's a certain amount of of excitement attended on him because I think he, you know, Phil is a very solid goalkeeper, made, you know, a couple of really good saves early on in the year. But one almost feels with uh, Chris Brady that he he can win a match for you. Is that good? Yeah, I think. And it's kind of tough because, like, Phil did nothing wrong for him not to start. It, it's, it kind of reminds me of 2019 when you had Brian Silvestre and Ryan Coulter. Like, 
you could put either in and you're not losing any quality. And it kind of feel, and it would feel rough. Like if one of them were to start over the other, especially if one had a run of games where they played really well. So I think it's kind of the same thing where, you know, Phil, especially in the Fort Lauderdale match had a lot of key saves that, you know, had he not gotten those Fort Lauderdale would have gotten two, three goals, you know, Tormenta, he had that early save. So I think he's definitely done well, but yeah, I feel like with Brady, I think just because of, I, I don't know if his if it's his presence in the box. I don't know if it's just his anticipation and when to make like when to rush out. I would say Phil is very aggressive in the box, which is always good, but it might sometimes create some just like some communication issues. While with Brady, it's kind of like he maybe you just feel more assured, and, and especially because he played with Turbo, he's played with Pato, he's played with Giro, like he's played with all, like the whole back line already. So there might be some more familiarity with that as well. And plus, you know, another year older and another year more mature, I swear he grew another like eight inches in between yeah, the time. But <laughs> He looks older even than last year. I mean, yeah, it was a year, um, but he looks like just kind of bigger in, in his shoulders and uh, more mature looking. I think the other advantage, uh, relatively speaking, I think Chris Brady is a little bit better with his feet in terms of playing the ball back to his feet. And if you're a team like forward, that's looking to build a little bit more out of the back, um, you know, that would be a, an important thing to add, but I think you're right to bring up, you know, 2019 with two really good goalkeepers, Ryan Coulter and, and, you know, Brian Silvestre. And I think one of the things there as well, if you remember that match against Lansing, Sylvester couldn't go, was hurt, and Ryan Coulter was able to step in and, and made a huge contribution to you know, them securing the, the playoff spot with a couple of big saves. So I think having two number one guys or two, you know, one A and one B or however you want to look at it, having two guys you can count on may make the the difference down the stretch if we're looking at you know playoff spot or playoff rankings or or things like that so i think getting him here is really exciting chris brady was fun to watch one of the bright spots of last year i would say and then as well um just having those two guys behind the you know between the sticks especially you know sometimes if we're playing you know again you know like we did four games in six days or whatever you know, even for a goalkeeper, a night off can be useful in certain situations, especially if it's a younger guy like uh, Chris Brady, you know, that may not have that pro experience of being able to go every other night or every two nights or things like that. So I'm hoping, you know, they'll be able to manage the two of them together and, and really use that as a jumping off point for, you know, the rest of the year. Yeah. And I think there might be matches where like for a match like this, where you're more likely to have a lot more possession, this might be a, it might be a match where Brady gets it, but if it's more against, let's just say North Texas or against even Chattanooga, where they might be more on the attacking front, that might be one where you go with Phil, just make sure to get his, you know, make like he can rush out and stuff like that. Maybe it's just like depending on what kind of tactical approach you expect the other team to bring, you can put in whatever keeper you think is best suited to handle it. Yeah. Uh, by the way, did you see North Texas just rocked Greenville? I, I didn't watch the match, but I saw the results and four nothing to North Texas. It was they came out in the first half and punched Greenville in the mouth. And this was also Greenville's first match in like three or four weeks. Dallas J had just played for Guam on Friday and flew in and played on. So it definitely, I think it was a lot of I mean, North Texas brought it to them. Greenville didn't respond as well as you would expect, but. I don't know. North Texas is also a weird team because they've just been very inconsistent this whole year. Well, I think, they're, they, you know, North Texas is, I, I think, you know, when they came into the league in 2019, 
I think they were a, a team that was at the um, sort of end of its cycle, like a youth, you know, youth team. You had a lot of guys who were either at the, you know, stay or move on. I mean, Damis and, and uh, you know, a couple other guys were right on the, the cusp of like, okay, are, are they youth team making it? They're talented, talented players, but it was like, okay, where, where are they going? And you saw that a little bit in 19 and, and that, you know, 19 team was young, but it was supremely talented. Um, and you would see them go up and down. And then in 20, I think you saw a little bit of the end of the cycle. And I think now you're seeing a young team again. And so you're going to have with that very young team, those big ups and downs as they kind of gel together. But I mean, I'd, I'd, I'd be worried about North Texas, I think, because they run a great youth academy there. Yeah, and I think what also helped North Texas in 2019 and it also helped Tormento for the first half is they had a system. They've had the system and were able to get accustomed to it while the majority of the league was still trying to figure out what this league even is in terms of the talent level. So I think that also helped in 2019 and then 2020 was kind of the same thing where there's still a lot of uncertainty, especially with COVID. But you know, those players got a chance to train beforehand and now this year it seems like the rest of the league also in terms of the independent teams have been able to increase their own quality you know omaha increasing their own quality richmond ford mass and greenville you know even tucson like they've all been able to increase the quality of their teams so now maybe as much talent as north texas has it's not overwhelming you like it was in 2019 yeah, well, and I, I think as well, one of the things that you've seen the evolution of the league is, you know, when forward started, it was a much, you know, there were a lot of competing philosophies about how to put together the best team. Forward was a lot older team and, and North Texas was very, very young. And I think what teams have started realizing is, hey, you want to get a couple of young guys, young, hungry guys out there, a couple of veteran guys to maybe stabilize the locker room, stabilize the, the, you know, spine of the team, if you will. And then, you know, some of the, you know, those young guys in the skill positions and the flair positions who are putting themselves in the shop window a little bit, you know? And so I think that's what um, a little bit you're seeing now with Madison, you know, you have younger guys like Jepson, younger guys like Suko. Um, Gebhardt's a little older, but still, you know, could, could move He's on a pro for a long time. So it yeah. seems like he's older, but he's not that old. Yeah. He's just been a pro for so long that <laughs> it feels Tyler like Adam, it. You know, uh, uh, Tyler Allen, pardon, and Noah Fusan, younger guys. So you're, and then you have Turbo, who's, we, we did the research. I did the research and I've confirmed it. Oldest guy in USL League One. Uh, so uh, I mock him about that every time I, I see him. Uh, by the way, uh, Turbo would neither confirm nor deny that uh, they uh, had an argument about what was the best. He and former teammate Jalen Chrysler had a discussion about what their whether uh, you know Ernest Hemingway or F. Scott Fitzgerald was the better uh, 1920s lost generation novelist. That, that was not you know that's what my lip reading said of what they were discussing on the pitch. But uh, he would neither confirm nor deny. That there's was, definitely some debate that always sparks a reaction. It, it had to be something like that. Maybe it was like Coke versus Pepsi. I don't know. That could have been a, a, a yeah, that's a hot one. And maybe then, Friends versus Seinfeld, like which is which. Like I feel like Turbo's definitely more of a Seinfeld guy, but you know, that yeah, arguments like that. Yeah. Uh Beatles Stones, you know, that mm-hmm. sort of thing. Yeah. Um I, I just imagine that the official was like, No, you're both wrong, Dr. Pepper. And that's why there were cards issued. Um, <laughs> you never know. You never know in these situations. Uh, finally, I guess any bright spots that you saw in that match, um, you know, 
I think it, I was pleased to see Carlos Gomez getting a little bit more time. I think he's a, an interesting player. Popped up at, at one point over on the right wing, which was uh, kind of interesting to see. Um, but, you know, that getting him back in the lineup was nice to see. But otherwise, you know, not a lot to take from that match overall. Yeah, I'm trying to think of the bright spots. Like, I think Malloy, playmaker, like passing-wise, he was making the right ideas. It just didn't happen, I think. Pato did a great job again. Um, it feels like he's really gotten back to 2019, his 2019 self. So I think Pato did a great job. Um, yeah, yeah, Brady, I mean, Pato, had the same. On the Pato front, uh, I did talk as well and, and got confirmation from Connor that, you know, what Dan had identified, that sort of Lom esque uh, or David Alaba actually as well is, is doing this where Pato is given freedom to kind of slide into the middle of the park and serve a little bit as a co, you know, defensive center midfielder with Aaron Malloy uh, was accurate. Um, and he's such a skilled player on the ball and, and it's good to see him back in, in 2019 form and be given that, that sort of freedom, by the way, uh, how, how thankful is Real Madrid to have signed Alaba before the European championships? Cause that ball that he hit to the near post was, was, Sweet. This might be one of the few times where you take a free transfer and it looks really, really good. Um, and if, considering Real Madrid, who have, let's just say, irresponsibly thrown money the last few years, I think this might be a good pickup for them. Yeah, I'll be interested to see if he, you know, for for Bayern Munich, it was an outside back. For Austria, he clearly plays basically everywhere in the middle. Anywhere he wants. <laughs> yeah, he seemed to run the whole show. Uh, from everywhere um, if Real Madrid gives him a little bit more license to to roam and if, if he takes over from Modric um, which would be interesting to see yeah I think one of the reasons why he didn't want to stay at Bayern is because he wanted to play center back or at least more central and not play as a fullback which I get that makes sense less uh, less wear and tear on your legs you can yeah. you don't have to bombard up and down the field as much yeah uh, so yeah otherwise any other bright spots that you saw there in in going forward uh not the camera person and not the referee oh boy yeah and this is something this is you know a couple of weeks now where the camera work has been mm, eh, it was shaky it was and some people are saying maybe it's because of the sun as the sun is setting it makes it a little bit more difficult but i was like it was still shaking a lot like the camera's still shaking it was zooming in and out at random points like i don't know we were joking that the camera person was drunk on hennessy yeah. Uh, now this brings up something in in this podcast that a zero zero draw, uh, not good for the fundraiser. Kyle. Nope, not good at all. Um, zero dollars were raised. I am going by the time this episode drops, there will probably be an email to those that made a pledge, which I thank everyone for doing. By the way, but I'll just say, yeah, sorry about that. If you still want to make a donation, please do. But you, there were no goals, so therefore you are not obligated. Yeah, uh, uh, so um, you know our our sister podcast, the one that you were on last week, uh, you know, uh, 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 talking talking flock, I believe it's called. Um, you know, uh, they they pledged, uh, I think, a hundred U.S. dollars. So uh, not to be outdone, we'll match a hundred from uh, for from the forwards backwards podcast. Uh, just don't tell anyone that we're doing that. We don't want uh, our, to ruin our reputation as as just terrible human beings. So your secret is fine with me. Okay. Um, but you know, would encourage you, I think the, the YWCA, which is the, the charity, if you do get that email, 
uh, we're throwing some some money towards that charity because it's a great organization, does a lot for the local community. Um, ask one of the, the Featherstone Flamingos if you see them at a match why they picked that particular uh, charity uh, because they can talk about all the great things that it's done for, for women in the, the Madison area and particularly women of, of color as well. Yep, for sure. Yeah, I and, uh, like I said, if you order the scarf, uh, please do so as well because all the proceeds – for the Juneteenth scarf will go to the YWCA as well. So and uh, next match, there'll be uh, more goals. You can order that uh, scarf on the forward flock website. It will be, I'm pretty sure it'll be on the club's website. I don't know when it's going on sale, but it will be going on sale. Okay. Yeah. So look on the the club's website for the Featherstone Flamingos by cross with, however, you know, that's now the cool thing for the collaborations, the, X, you know, that, that for uh, Featherstone Flamingos by Forward Madison uh, collaboration uh, on the website. Check it out for Juneteenth. Uh, should be should be excellent. Uh, sorry, there, there were no goals for the Henny Derby uh, and no fundraiser. And a uh, little lighter podcast, not a lot to discuss in that match. And I was saying uh, to Kyle before the show, and it's really a shame that our producer is a, is a dog. Uh, because this would have been an excellent, excellent match uh, to have a guest on. Uh, but no guests this week, uh, but we're working on getting some guests uh, going forward, uh, getting our act together. We thank you all for, for tuning in and, and thank Desmond for his first ever podcast experience. And Kyle, uh, do, do you have any confident, why, why are you feeling better about the Bucks going into the, this week? You know, I, to say I'm feeling confident might be an overstatement because this team pulls at my strings, but no James Harden, no Kyrie Irving. So Brooklyn's two best players uh, other than Kevin Durant are out. So if there's a game that you can win, you can win game five. And then all you got to do is either win game six at home or possibly win game seven. And you know what? This Bucks team has shown that you can play terrible and still win a game. So maybe, maybe this is it. Maybe all the years of torture, they might just walk away with the title, maybe make the finals. And because I need a Buck Suns final so that Jake and I can hate each other, but still attend the games. Uh, by the way, uh, highlight of the match may have been Jack, Jake uh, doing the You're My Favorite Soccer Team uh, chant. It 100% was the highlight of the match. Which you hear <laughs> on the broadcast. Uh, I, I was like, wait a second, I can hear that on the broadcast, which was pretty cool. Yeah, a full capacity Bree Stevens, and the fact that you can hear that was awesome. I think, you know, it was loud. You can hear the flock, which was good to see. Good to know that things are getting back to how they were, and sometimes that's a good thing, and this is one of those good things. Yeah, uh, so we, we look forward to uh, recapping next week's action against the New England Revolution 2, uh, New England Revolution Dos, Ariaga, Ariaga 2. Maybe they'll have a new logo by then. Who knows? <laughs> Uh, you know, I actually, by the way, I like that new, the redesign of the logo. I thought it was better than what the current design is. It wasn't great, but it's better. I'm indifferent. Like, I don't mind the old logo because it's whatever. It's there. I feel like now it's just like because every other team's logo that they try a new one has just bombed so badly that now it's like you're looking at the OG ones. It's like, eh, maybe it's fine. Yeah. But the new one wasn't bad. I don't, I don't think that I had any issue with it, but it's also not my team and I'm not the one buying their merch and have yeah. to walk around no, with that's it. Fair. I do also think, you know, everybody's going to complain about everything. Um, you know, 
You, you go to the internet, you can find somebody complaining about anything. Soccer Twitter will find something to complain about. It's yeah. almost like Buck's Twitter. <laughs> maybe <laughs> less, maybe more it. toxic. <laughs> <laughs> is producer Paisley telling us, uh, you know, uh, Bucks and six, I think is the first thing. And, uh, you know, until next time, forwards, not backwards, upwards, not forwards, and always twirling, twirling, twirling towards freedom. Thank you.